Welcome to Elevate Podcast, the fastest way to elevate your life. Brought to you by elevatebooks.com. Hello and welcome to another one of our Elevate Podcasts. My name is Benjamin J. Harvey, the Difference Maker Mentor. And once again, we have the pleasure of interviewing an international best-selling author from the Elevate series. To find out more about them or any of the other authors from the Elevate series, be sure to check out elevatebooks.com where you'll find a bunch of additional information and plenty of highly valuable free resources you can download immediately to further assist you in elevating all areas of your life. So today we're speaking with Ivina Heald. Now, Ivina is a sports coach who is passionate about helping people discover their passion so they can embrace their vulnerability and focus on putting their energy where it is needed. Being on the New Zealand ladies 10-pin bowling team gave Ivina a unique perspective on what it takes to motivate others to be their very best selves. Now, in addition to that, her experience working with her parents at a woman's refuge, providing assistance for displaced families, set her on a pathway to improving people's lives. Together with her husband, they created Sports Performance Academy New Zealand, a company dedicated to elevating people to reach their highest potential. Ivina believes deeply in the power of change and recalibrating your mind, body, and soul to learn your truth. So please join me in welcoming to the show, Ivina. Ivina, how are you? Good. Thank you, Ben. Good. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I've been looking forward to this, Ivina. Thank you. So have I. I know it's going to be a lot of fun. Look, I, I know uh, there's there's a wealth of knowledge that lies just beneath the surface of your conscious mind, and every time we catch up, I'm I'm always inspired by the the way in which you approach mindset. I'm inspired by the way in which you help people really hit their their peak, not just in their sporting lives, but also in in their lives in general. And I know you have a, just a wealth of knowledge, so I cannot wait to jump on into it. And I think a great starting point is probably, I know you're incredibly passionate about mindset. Like I know that it's just something that anytime anyone mentions it, you just light up. So I guess what I want to know, and probably the listeners want to know as well, uh, mindset, the topic of mindset, how'd you land there? How did you end up at mindset being the thing that you were so passionate about? Oh, well, mindset, um, back in my days, um, way, way back in my days, they called it mental um, learning and, um, you know, all about your mental um, psyche. And now I like the word mindset better. So it started off with, um, in the beginning, when I was a lot younger, it was um, helping people um, become more comfortable with how they're thinking. But more importantly, in the sporting arena, it was more to do with when I was in the coaching and as a lot of people know with sport it's a lot of physical coaching but they don't see that little light of having a mindset and how the mind works when you are playing a sport and so for a long time we all knew what visualization was affirmation you know self-talk that sort of thing but in the deep thing in the deepness of seeing people elevate to a lower level because of their competing beliefs 
mm. and they didn't know how to get rid of them. And um, I, I noticed that while I was in the sport arena, that people would get frustrated, they'd get angry, um, they'd lose their focus, and the game would go, you know, out the door. And so they reprimanded themselves. They were talking bad stuff to themselves. And so that generated that sort of a roll-on effect that it kept happening over and over again. So that's what happened. That's what started me to help them out. So back in the day, you're saying it was predominantly visualisation and affirmation-based. I remember, you know, picking up some books. Uh, John Keogh, I had a book of, of a gentleman yeah. called John Keogh, and uh, it was all about the power of visualisation. And so... So I guess what, you, what, I, what I'm hearing is that you're saying people did this visualisation, they did the affirmations, but they weren't really getting to the root cause, the, the, un, the underlying beliefs. So for, for people out there who perhaps are already doing like visualisation affirmations, what are they missing? Like what is it that they're fundamentally not doing that's not getting them to that next level? I think what they're doing is they're, they're just skirting the surface uh-huh. You know, like when you, um, for example, if you're, you're playing a sport, they just serve the surface about thinking and seeing a picture in their mind and visualising them doing the right thing. But it's more than that. It's your whole body. It's, it's, it's everything. It's how you feel. Your emotions are in there as well because you have your physical body. And, and your mind, your mindset, no matter how what level it is, but it's the emotions that actually tie them both together. Mm. And if you don't have that deeper feeling of, oh, I'm doing this right, you know, I know what I'm doing, but you think, oh, well, I'll give this a go and just see what happens. So that happened a lot back when I was about 20, 20, 30 years ago. And so... Yeah. With people, they were falling all the time, and I felt sad for them a lot. So they were putting in all this effort, but they weren't getting the result. And you're saying it's because they they didn't apply the feeling element to it. No, no, they didn't. No. I think I think there's probably a lot of listeners out there that that can definitely relate to that. You know, I I meet a lot of people that say, oh, you know, I'm visualizing, but I guess if you were to tune in to what when they're doing it. They don't seem to have that emotional buy-in to it. Like they're not emotionally connected. So I, 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 I like, I like what you're saying there. So, what, what do we do about that? Like, how, how do we? What's the process? Let's just well, say I've been doing affirmations and visualizing. How do I fix this? Well, if you imagine, you can start off with people um, can start off with doing visualization, but they are more importantly. You know how people just sit there and they're just daydreaming. Yeah. That's sort of a relaxing your mind and you're letting your mind just run. And that's a form of meditation. Mm-hmm. And so if people got into meditation and learned how to relax themselves and bring their breathing to a certain point, what happens is if you could imagine an hourglass and the skinny point in the middle, they're up here in the hourglass where they're in their consciousness Uh and it's the point where you go through the hourglass to the bottom where you get into your subconsciousness and that's the area they need to pull up and feel more or less that's about as easy as I can explain it you know to somebody who doesn't know 
meditation and, and, and using that um, valuable relaxation because when you relax, when, when I tell people to relax, and this is how you relax when you're physically relaxing, is that you use your breathing, you know, to get oxygen into your body and you start relaxing. But you need to get your mind relaxed as well. If your, your mind is all over the place, your body will pick, pick up on that and your brain will say, oh, well, hang on, something's wrong here. And so they're not really knowing what's true to them themselves as consciousness and um, unconsciousness and, and tapping into that. But definitely meditation helps. Deep breathing, all that sort of thing comes into the flow of when you're playing in sport. I like that. I like that idea of the hourglass. I've, I've actually, I've never heard that before and I, I love it. So you're saying if we imagine an hourglass, the top half of the hourglass is your conscious mind. And you're saying in order to get stuff into the subconscious mind, it's got to go through that very narrow neck in yes. the middle. But if we relax more and we are more mindful, we can get more into that subconscious mind that's going to benefit us. Yes, yes. Um, I suppose it's one way of saying, uh, uh, you know, it's you get yourself into a state of satori once you become very um, advanced in doing that level. And that's a quick way to get into a state of satori where your whole mind and everything is, you know, you, it's like you're wide awake and you don't worry about what's happening outside of you. You're just um, in your little bubble. And you're focused on what you're doing and, you know, you can hear people, hear noises, but nothing seems to get into that little bubble that you've created around yourself. And all it is is just the protection of your um, aura is protecting you from things coming in or keeping out the things that you don't want to you know, while you're in a state of satori or the zone, some people call it, when you're doing playing sport. And I think most people know this about sport at a different level and a different process. Got it. So the, the benefits to, a, to a, a peak performing athlete, for example, to be able to get into their subconscious mind is, is for being more in a state of flow, I, I guess, and being not impacted by what's happening around them. You mentioned that, that there's some type of breathing that you can do. For the listeners out there who want to become more relaxed, like, now <laughs> well, what do you recommend there's uh, well the way to do it people now they start off with doing diaphragmatic breathing uh-huh. um, how do they do that you know where they um use a good a good way to actually look at somebody doing it is watch a baby breathing mm-hmm. because when they um inhale their tummy goes out uh, yep. when they exhale, it goes in so you're getting the oxygen to the lowest level that you can. But there's also things like, um, there's a lot of different things like Kegel, practicing, you know, movement and breathing, you know, when you move and when you relax, you're breathing in and out. And nowadays there's, um, I think that's Stig Stephenson, the diver, he, he has a good program as well. And um, his program is really, really good, really deep. Got it. So learning uh, diaphragmatical breathing is a starting point for people out there? Oh, definitely, yes, yes. I know you've worked with a lot of 
peak performing athletes and you've really helped a lot of people with their mindset. What, what would you say is the biggest reason people don't go to that next level? What, what do you find that is the thing that is most holding people back? Um, it's fear for, you know, in the arena that I have been coaching and I, I see a lot of fear. And when the fear comes on, um, it's the feeling that they have. And people don't realise that they may have had fear come into their lives when they were little and it's a little thing has been happening all through their life is that they have the fear of not being good enough or they have a fear of um, trying to do something but they're too afraid to because they might win and they don't want to be on the top because then they're in the limelight and they don't like to be looked at. But the fear is underneath the word fear. There's a lot of other things that come into that. And the, the fear is the feeling bunched together of all little negative things in one block. Mm. And when you get that whole block of fear from your whole lifetime of this, 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 and this, all put into the same block, and you get into a, um, a, a point where, you know, it's a lot of tension and, um, and you can feel that fear coming up. Well, sometimes um, you can't, your body goes stiff and you can't relax. And that's one of the key things about playing sports. You must relax, not only your body, but your breathing and your mind as well. You know, your mind is different from your brain mm. but when you relax your mind you let go of all that tension and that block of fear and the only way i've known that people get rid of that is they go through it they can't go around it can't jump over it they go mm. right through it and feel the feeling and then they know oh it wasn't so bad after all you know and so the next time they come up to a pressure point especially with timber bowling when you're one-on-one -on, -one on the lane, is that I've done this before, I can do this, and they get more confident and more confident, and that breaks the block little by little each time they do it. So, so with, uh, I really like this idea because obviously fear affects a lot of people. I mean, it affects everybody from, from what I can tell. So you're saying you've got to go through it. Let's just say I'm about to do something whatever it's a brand new something i'm about to dive off a diving board for the first time i'm about to climb a mountain i'm about to go into a business deal i'm about to rock up to a date with somebody and i've got this fear in my body your process is to go through it what do i practically do should i be saying something to myself should i be aware of something how do i go through my fear uh, what we do when we um as coaches is that to get through the fear, you start at the very, very bottom level of feeling it. So, for example, we would take um, our students through, um, for example, in a group. Imagine that I've got a group of young people, teenagers, and they're very, don't want to be out there. So, first of all, we get them all on the lane and they're all sort of there right out in front, in front of everybody. And so they don't feel all that bad when they're out in the open because they've got all of their friends and mates with them. And then you pull back a few of them, 
and you put a group over here and a group over here, and then now the group is smaller until you get to two people on a lane and then one person on the lane. So it's getting them to realise that by being comfortable at a level where it's got all their mates there and they're happy, they feel comfortable, and then you take that comfort a little bit away and so they get used to being out in the limelight on the lane by themselves. And then we start with the physical actions and then add the mindset in that as well while we're doing that exercise, you know, just focusing on a point on the lane or focus, you know, for any other sport, it could be, you know, rugby, focusing on the goal when you're going to kick a goal. But that's the point when we try to get them to close in on themselves and block block all the fear away is that one little point you've got to go into baby steps for people that have never done this before and then you work it up and up and up till you get to the advance and that's the advanced one that's really quite hard because you're in an international arena and people are much better you know than you and it's um, making sure that they're comfortable by doing doing that all the time you know New Zealand bowlers going over to Australia, where you guys have got really, really good um, athletes there, and you've got, they'll know. And then going over to international sports. And so it's this, Australia is the stepping stone for us to get to that level and then go out into the world. So it's about like stair-stepping your fear. So you're saying you start with a very small version of what you're afraid of, and then you take a bigger chunk and a bigger chunk and a bigger chunk. And it, it kind of almost sounds to me like you, you normalize the fear. They're like it, it just becomes normal. And then you take another big thing. Got it. So I guess if, if I was trying to dive off a 10 meter tower, I'd start by diving off the side of the pool and then I'd dive <laughs> off the one meter <laughs> board then the three meter board and then the five meter plank and then the 10. Okay. Got it. So, in order to move through fear, what most peak performing athletes do is they just take little versions of the fear and digest it. Yes, yes. And then they become more accustomed to the process. So if I'm sitting at home right now and I'm like, you know, I love what you got to say and I, I, I'd like to perform better. I am an athlete. I'd like to be more relaxed. I'd like to have a better mindset. Apart from di diaphragmatical breathing, what else could you suggest to me sitting at home right now that I could do, um, like you mentioned meditation, is, is there a specific practice I should be mindful of? Is there something that I should try out at the moment to, to be more aware, to have more of this satori in my life? There is indeed, there are many things out there that you can do. Um, for example, um, we teach, well, I teach, um, how, how people can become neutral. Uh -huh. Being neutral is staying within your own self. Being neutral is not being judgmental. Um, for example, if you're just sitting there and you've got all these things around you and you put labels on everything around you, you know things like a glass, a cup, everything's got labels. The sky's got a label, you know. And one of the things that we do is, um, well, I do and my husband do, is that we try and get people to think in a neutral way as if these things just exist in your life. 
uh, pain exists in your life and um, judgment exists in your life. So when you get rid of a lot of judgment that you may have and you don't realise, you, you then start feeling as if, oh, that over there doesn't belong to me. It's got nothing to do with me, that over there. But this right here, right here, right in front of me, I feel is mine. So we break that now, is that those people bowling over there has got nothing to do with me, but this here with my team is mine. And so when you get to the state of becoming neutral, then you see the world in a different way, is that um, why am I letting this affect me? You know, with anger, because I'm not doing what they and the USA team are doing. Uh, which is people don't get that the mindset that they have interrupts how they feel, if you can imagine that. And so learning how to get um, neutral is just learning to stay within the, I would say, the safety area. We all got a, a as I mentioned before, we've all got an aura. And the more you expand it out, by being comfortable, your aura out, the more that you can see a bit clearly that a lot of things around you that you see here and think about really only impact, impact on you when you think about it and think, oh, were they talking about me? Or, oh, I think I do that as well, you know? And so it's that backwards and forwards about how you think about yourself because we live in our head here. And we live on the outside of the world, not on the inside of our own world. <laughs> Being inside is more comfortable. <laughs> so staying neutral and not, and when you talk about labeling things like, you know, the, the, the desk, the pan, the water bottle and so on. So what should I be doing as a practice? Like I see a water bottle and I just, I, I, I don't label it or I observe the label of it and remain neutral to it. What's, what's the... Well, um, one of the things for that, that's quite true. Uh, we use towels to dry our ball, to take the oil off of it. And our towels are very important to us. So this is my towel. I'll put it down and then I'll go and bowl and come back. Where is my towel? Now you're linked to that towel. And then people can't find that out. Where, and then they get agitated and next minute they're getting angry. Who's taken my towel sort of thing? So it's trying to realize that it's only a towel, even though you'll just carry a whole lot with you, but being mindful that there's not a big deal about losing a towel. And no, um, the attachment to the thing. Yeah, the attachment to things. Uh, this is mine, you know, like children start off doing that, mine, 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 mine. <laughs> and, and it's that kind of attachment sort of thing. You know, and it's it's trying to eliminate that as well, so that you know that if you don't have a towel, well, too bad. You know, you can still ball. <laughs> you know, that kind of idea. <laughs> it's just so simple that people don't realize it, and a lot of other um, highly elevated mindset bowlers or sports people will actually take that towel away on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> so that person gets agitated and they cannot bolt properly so there's little tricks that a lot of people do but um 
being attached to things like that um, can bring you down. Yeah, it can throw your mindset out. I know you talk a lot about people finding their truth and, uh, you know, learning what their truth is. What is a way that someone can learn more about what their truth is in your mind? What, what can they do to know their truth more? Um, knowing your truth is knowing about clearly and clarifying your life or your mindset or anything in your life really is um, are you following the path that you really love? For example, in 1987, I went to Mandra just out of uh, for holiday and I learned about Chenbin bowling. But I loved in New Zealand. I was playing hockey. But then I learned about Chenbin bowling and um, in Mandra, my brother took me there and I didn't know anything about it. But I loved it. First game, threw the ball away, it came back to you. You didn't have to run after it. <laughs> and then and then I got a 200 game and I said, wow, this is so good. <laughs> so I went home and I just, my hockey game, and I started playing timber bowling. And so when you get that feeling that something really resonates with you, mm. it can be anything and, and you, you follow it, I mean, to me, it became an obsession to play Denver bowling. And so I knew that that was something I truly wanted to do. That was something I loved doing. Yeah. So I was passionate. Um, I, I lived down the road a couple of blocks away from Denver bowling, and I'd go there just about every day if I could. And then it's, it's a feeling that you get that you can't throw away because you're so obsessed with that sport well, this is just one unit of thing in life. And so that is really where I knew that was one of my truths that I wanted for myself. But my deepest truth was the learning of the skills and the teaching of the skills that I knew was my truth because I wanted to be a teacher for so long and I was a, a work, work teacher, oh, well, a trainer in my career. And then I became a trainer in sports and just helping people to actually find their truth is to find who they really, truly are and what their purpose in life is, more or less, mm. what they truly love to do. So uh, for the listeners out there who are curious, I mean, what would you say is your life purpose? What, what do you think it is? My life pers- purpose to me is to teach people how to, not by through my mindset. And mindset is not only for sports, it's for everything. Uh, their mindset. Uh, and to be comfortable, to be comfortable in the world that they're living in. To be comfortable with themselves. Uh, to be non-judgmental about themselves. Um, I see a lot of people, even I used to do this. I used to think, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And, 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 you know, so I never became good enough till I got to a point where that's enough. And I went, went out to actually practice, practice, practice everything to be good enough, that I was good enough. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but we have the window and mirror or mirror thing. And you get a mirror and you put it up, you know, you go in the bathroom and you say, 
I love myself. The first time I practiced that, I laughed like anything. I said, how can I just say that to myself? <laughs> and that was one of the skills that somebody taught me. You've got to love yourself. It's okay, okay. And, and I just kept laughing. I thought it was so funny. But as I grew older, I realized it wasn't a laughing matter because if I couldn't mm. love myself mm. how I love unconditionally other people, yeah. that is a problem. Yeah, for sure. So I had to turn that one around and truly love myself no. so I could love more people. <laughs> Nice. Now, I know a lot of the listeners out there would like to get in touch with you. I know probably the best way that people can find you is either on the elevatebooks.com website where you're listed in the author section, but also they can email you directly at Ivina Healed and then the numeral seven. So it's I-V-E-N-A-H-E-A-L-D and then the number seven at gmail.com. And uh and I know you run this incredible eight-week coaching program where you help people with their mindset. You really help them find how to get to their peak level of performance. You show them how to utilize all of the skills that you've developed over the years of uh, re- representing your country in a, in, a, in a sport at that level, which is, which is a profound achievement for anybody to do. And I know that along that way, you've really learned a lot about how people can take control of their mindset, but also how to get every of their life uh, up to the highest level. So um, before we wrap up, is, is there like a, a message you'd want to share with the group? Is there a final thing you'd like to say to everybody out there listening in right now? Oh, yes. Um, I've got this thing about um, finishing strong. To be able to finish strong, you have to focus long enough to go the distance. If you don't focus long enough, you'll find out why. <laughs> after the game is over. Nice. I like it. Finish strong. I I like that idea because, you know, there's so many people out there that embark on adventures and they just finish weak. (laughs) They're just done and they're over it. So I like that idea just to finish strong. I think that really is a peak performing athlete's motto. And I I love that you've you've left us with that that quite powerful message. So the listeners out there, you heard Ivina, you have to finish strong. And please reach out, find out more about what she does in terms of the coaching. She really has a profound impact on the people she works with. Ivina, I just want to say thank you so much for being part of this podcast. Thank you, thank you. It's been a lot of fun. (laughs) Absolute pleasure having you on the show today. Absolute pleasure and honour it has been to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so thanks again for tuning into the podcast. And if you want to find out more about Ivina or any of the other authors, you can do so by going to elevatebooks.com forward slash authors. And always remember, giving yourself permission to do what you love is the key to elevating all areas of your life. And until we meet again, share your light, live your love, and do whatever it takes to be your own best friend. Thanks so much for dialing in and bye for now. Thanks for listening to Elevate Podcast, the fastest way to elevate your life. For more information, visit www.elevatebooks.com.